In the weeks leading up to Easter, as I explained in greater detail last week, and I won't go into as much today, but in the weeks leading up to Easter, which is coming soon, what I've done is I have asked my team to speak each week. Somebody from our pastoral team will speak each weekend. What I've asked them to do essentially is to bring their alabaster box. I want our uh, this house to hear from our pastoral team in a way that not only edifies you, but that further connects you with them. But I, I just, you know, the Lord has gifted us so graciously with such an incredible team. You know what? I didn't even have to like signal for you to do that. That it was written. But let me just say it again because it's good. The Lord has graced us with an incredible team. And so this weekend, beginning with last night's service, I've asked my dad, our executive pastor and lead elder at Heritage, to come and speak. Now, my dad and my mom have been married for 60 years. Uh, now, yeah, that's exciting. Now, when I first typed that in my notes, I typed in 50 years. But then I thought, well, no, wait a minute, I'm 50. And I'm the youngest. So I thought, no, I need to redo my math there. Um, but my, my, my parents have raised uh, their three kids. My, my, I'm the youngest of three. Uh, they have raised their kids to love and serve Jesus. And my dad has given his life to serve Jesus and his church. My dad is a man of the word. He is a man of the spirit. And he is a man of deep faith and great and holy affection. There's a lot that I can, would, can, could continue to say about my folks. Uh, I don't need to say it all today. I say it often, and frankly, you all tell me anyway, over and over. You know, I really like you. You know, your parents are amazing. Yeah, I know. I heard that for a minute. Uh, and I'm very, 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 very grateful. In fact, I'm so grateful. It is an honor for me to invite his voice this weekend, and I pray that we together will hear his voice and his heart. Would you honorably please welcome my dad, Pastor Jim Davenport. Thank you. Watch the old guy spill his coffee. Anyway... <laughs> good to be with you. Nice to see you. It's nice to be a dad. It's a great privilege to be a dad. To say, I am the father and the husband of a beautiful woman, father of three children, 10 grandchildren, and we should count the one that's married to the oldest grandchild, so we'll count them 11 grandchildren, and to be here with you this morning. And Lincoln City, since I do have a mild acquaintanceship with you, it's good to see you all in Lincoln City. Ken and Esther, God bless you. Tell everybody hi for me down there. Well, I'm supposed to tell you my life story. So I figured it out. If I took a minute for every year of my life, you would walk out somewhere about halfway through. <laughs> if I took 30 seconds for my every year of my life, it's still too long. So we'll abbreviate that. Well, how old is this guy? He's 84, if you really want to need to know. So there you have it. I married my wife when she was 12. <laughs> I'm going to jump ahead. It's all your fault, Aaron. <laughs> 
I'll fill the gaps in, but you know, I met my wife when I was working at Security First National in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, it's a running joke. There's a banker's background in this guy. And uh, I met my wife there, and she was a student at uh, Life Bible College, which is a four-square Bible college in Los Angeles. It now has a different name, and it's not on the campus it used to be. But she was there, and she was the prettiest girl on campus. And I figured, you know, I don't care what you four square guys think. This, 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 this guy's moving in. And so uh, <laughs> I leaps, I leaps in my red Mercury convertible, 1950 vintage, you know, three speed on the column, flathead V8. And, you, you know, cool dude. I even had white bucks. Come on. Now, some of you don't even know what that means, but I do. And the couple of guys who, you know, have some grayer hair understand that. And so I, I dated this girl, and it's too bad, four square guys. I This yes, young lady's married, going to marry me, which she did, and I've got way ahead, and I'm off track, but, you know, I'm old, and I can wonder, and I'll forget what I said in five minutes anyway, and I'll recap it. <laughs> so there you go. God bless you. I was, I was born December 15th, 1936, in Iowa. I was born again October 1957, Bethel Assembly of God, Glendale, California. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit 1957, same week, Glendale, California, Bethel Assembly of God. I want to talk some more about that in a minute. I married this good-looking four-square girl August 21st, 1960. We have three children, which Pastor Brian has alluded to. Oldest is Brad, second is Pam, and the youngest is Dr. Dan. Talked about the 10 grandchildren, 11 with the addition of uh, the young lady who married my eldest grandson, our eldest grandson. This is not a discovery, but I have learned over the years, maybe as you have learned, Jesus loves families. He believes in families. As I said, I was raised in Iowa. We we lived in farmhouses. We did not farm, but I was raised in a farmhouse in rural America, Iowa. The plumbing facility was 70 yards, not quite that far, 70, you know, 75 feet from the house. If you don't understand that, I'll explain it to you later. <laughs> it was... It could be cold in Iowa there in the wintertime, just in case you're interested. <laughs> we did not have indoor plumbing until somewhere around my 17th or 18th year. I have experienced phones on party lines. Again, if you don't understand that, it was kind of like Facebook on the phone. <laughs> everybody, everybody knew everybody else's business. There's that proverbial lady who listened to every phone call. That happens. You can hear the click. I even used a phone where you had to ring it and talk to the person on the other end to get them to connect you. How old is this guy? I've been around. So that's just kind of my life. In fact, even now, when I drive by, and again, no, we lived on the farm. I didn't farm per se. 
But even now, when I drive by a big field and they're tearing it up to put apartments up, something inside me cringes. Don't you know you can raise crops on that? Come on. Yeah, I was, I'm not just was, I was a good student. I wanted to be a CPA. I did not like to be in front of people. Terrified me. My sister, Jesus loves families. My sister moved to California. My sister came home to visit back in Iowa, and she spoke to this end. She spoke about being saved and going to church. Hey, we were a good family. I was a good boy. I was so good I was boring. More than I am now. What's this business about being saved and going to church? You mean there's a difference? You mean there's a decision to be made? You mean even good guys who don't know the Lord are lost? Yes, they are. You don't have to have some wild story to need the Lord. You just need the Lord because you don't, without him, you're lost. So here was my crazy idea. I thought I had to go to California to get saved. Now, there are some in this room who believe nobody in California is saved, but that's not true. I believed I had to get to California to get saved. So I finished high school. My dad passed away the summer after I graduated from high school. My dad died when he was 53 years old. And I became a kind of a father figure to my brother. And I didn't really realize that until years later. Because I was a very self-centered young man. Good boy, student, cared about this guy. So I graduated from junior college there. And now don't be impressed by this because it's not impressive because I think it's the Lord. It has nothing to do with my intellectual capacities. I wanted to get to California because there's where I thought I needed to go to get saved. And so I applied to UCLA and they, they welcomed me. And I applied late. My grades were good, but they, you know, they weren't super duper. I was, I was not a star athlete. They didn't need me. And my, my term of experience was UC, at UCLA was very short, so don't be impressed. There was a bus strike. I had no transportation. Basically ended up going to a, uh, back to a junior college to pick up some stuff. But the real issue was that shortly after I got to California, Bethel Assembly of God. At the end of a service there, everybody just came down front to pray. It was just what you did. And so rather than sit back there and look rather obvious, one night during an evangelistic meeting, Brother Odell was speaking. I went, I just went down and, and kneeled. And Pastor Slater. Now, if you've been around a while, you know back in the 50s, everybody was brother and sister. You know, brother Slater, so forth. But I went and knelt, and brother, Pastor Slater came over and knelt beside me and basically asked me the question, Jim, you know the Lord. 
No, I didn't. I didn't say this, but that was really why I showed up in church because I wanted to know the Lord. So that night, late October 1957, I gave my heart to Jesus. A few nights later, they invited me forward. Uh, something about a baptism. Now, I had no biblical background. I, I couldn't discuss it. I, I just, they just, something, I'm supposed to kneel here, I'm supposed to pray here, and something's supposed to happen. <laughs> and something did happen. Very real. Something that I wasn't coached in, something I had no background in, but something that came from God himself, the Spirit of God, hit me like a ton of bricks. And for an hour and a half, I laid there on that floor, and I felt experience of the presence of God, and I spoke in a language that I knew not, but I, I felt the presence of God. And I was a changed person. Because I was confronted by the living Christ and empowered by his spirit. Did I know everything I needed to know? No, I didn't know everything I needed to know then. I was biblically ignorant in a sense, but I I knew I knew God. And my sister told me at that time, you're a different person. And here's kind of a unique thing. My brother-in-law, Jimmy Cood, and my sister married a guy named Jimmy, and I'm Jim, and it just makes it simpler in the family. Nobody gets confused. He's Jimmy, I'm Jim. It's all, all good. Before there were Navy SEALs, there were UDT men, underwater demolition teams in the Navy. Jimmy was in during the Korean War, and he spent time off the dark shores of South Korea, either planting mines or getting rid of mines. So Jimmy was not a wimp. But I came home that night after being filled with the Spirit, and Jim sat down with me and showed me in Scripture what I had just experienced. Jimmy came in a sense, my older brother. Fact is, jumping ahead in the story, Jimmy found me my first car. He found me the Mercury that I dated my 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 soon-to-be bride in. So, we got this guy from Iowa. We got him to California. We got him saved. We got him filled with the Spirit. We got him going to school. But that was the era in which, if you were not filled time in school, Uncle Sam thought that they should send you a letter. And they sent me the letter. It was called the draft. I can remember a good friend of mine because I worked nights and I was, you know, I was probably asleep still at nine o'clock in the morning because I hadn't been to bed by, by three or something. He, he walked in with his letter and he lays it on my chest and he was laughing. And it was, you know, your friends and neighbors. <laughs> oh, welcome to the army. But the army turned out to be a great experience. Well, I don't talk about the sergeant that yell at me because I didn't know what my left foot from my right foot. That that's not it. But I'm talking about the experience of meeting some guys who were involved in the navigators. And if you're not familiar with the navigators, they work in colleges, but they work in the, in the military as well. They work with Bible studies and memorization and growing in Christ. In fact, they got a whole thing. It used to be called growing in Christ. 
And there was a sergeant, Sergeant Spurl, on the base who had people in his house. Jesus loves families. Had people in his house. And they had opportunity to learn the scripture and to memorize scripture and to see what scripture had to do with my life. Just a cute little story, perhaps. They transferred me from basic training in Fort Ord to Fort Huachuca, Arizona. I used to be able to spell Huachuca, but I can't anymore. <laughs> Never was really sure whether we were waiting for Cochise to come out of the mountains or Santa Ana to come back across the border. But anyway, we're there. Actually, it was electronic proving ground. And they lost my papers. And I was there, but there were no papers. Why is this kid here? Well, they found out that I had some... I was an accounting major prior to that, so I ended up working for the chaplain, basically as a bookkeeper. But the real influence was Sergeant Spurl, the navigators, that which I learned, the friends that I made. I have a friend named Stan Showers. Stan Showers in a care facility in Texas. Stan Schauer was went with Wycliffe. He spent 25-plus years in the jungles of Columbia. Had the privilege of meeting men of God like that. I had a unique experience in the military. No, I didn't fight 75 men with one knife or anything of that nature. I, I faithfully guarded the paper clips on my desk. <laughs> But I don't mess with my paper clips. <laughs> I went to a theater one night with a group of guys. And I don't know if it was a movie. I don't know why. We were there for some event, okay? And my wife corrected me on the way home last night. I said I had a Gideon Bible in my pocket. My wife corrected me. She said, no, I gave you that little Bible when you were, you know, in the military, when you were drafted. So I, I stand corrected here this morning. But anyway, I had this Bible I always carried in my, in my vest pocket. And I was sitting there in the theater and it was gone. And I, I really wanted to keep that. It was, it had significance. Not only was the Bible, but it was, you know, obviously given to me. It was important to me. And I said something in my mind like this. If I find that Bible, I'm going to do something about this call I feel on my life to study more about the ministry. If I find that Bible. And I realize there's a camera there, but I'm going to, I'm going to use you, Aaron. I'm going to wander over here because the guy in the booth told me I could do it. (laughs) And everybody in the booth has all authority. (laughs) I I walked out of the theater into a dark parking lot. And I'm walking with my friends. I'm just a guy with some other guys. Man walked up to me. He looked right at me, and he held that little Bible out, and he said, he didn't say, did you lose a Bible? He said, is this your Bible? I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly what he says. Is this your 
Bible. Did I know him? No. Did I ever see him again? No. But I thought very seriously about God's call on my life after that. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to you if you're glad to call you. I'm just saying that was my experience. Well, I, you know, finished my term of service in August of 1960 while I was still in the military. I married the girl from the Foursquare College. We went on a honeymoon together. My brother-in-law loaned me his car. I, we came back the honeymoon. She moved in with her girlfriends back in the apartment. I moved back in with the guys at the barracks. How romantic is that? <laughs> we went together almost a year and a half via letter, but as far as seeing each other, we really didn't see each other that often. I used to teach premarital classes, and I never told the class about our courtship because it didn't stack up with what the book said. <laughs> But somehow it worked. <laughs> now, okay, this is fun. Gloria came to visit me after we were married. It was all perfectly nice. And the head chaplain on the base was leaving town for one reason or another, and this was a colonel's house. So this specialist forced class and his, his new bride, we lived in the colonel's house for about a week and a half. <laughs> And I walked across the, the yard to the chapel and went to work, you know. The big shot, the specialist force class living in the colonel's house. <laughs> I tell you, the captain who was in charge of the barracks where I was, I think he was having a little bit of a sideways fit over that one, but I enjoyed it very much, quite frankly. <laughs> Jesus loves families. We came back, we went to uh, Southern California College, which later was called Van Vanguard University. From there, uh, worked in Bethel Assembly in California for a little bit. From there, we went to seminary in Portland, Oregon, Western Evangelical Seminary, which is now part of George Fox University. We had one child then, Brad, and dad went to cemetery. Not seminary. Dad went to cemetery. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't die there. So after seminary, I became bivocational. I was credentialed in 1963. I worked at the bank. And I worked in churches. I was Christian education director in most places and, and some other things as well. Now, you've probably experienced this, that everybody's not as excited about your Christian faith as you are. That some people might even say some things that are detrimental about you because of your faith and your stand for God. I didn't discover this. It's been in the Bible a long time. But this verse spoke to me and has spoken to me more than once over the years. And I realized there are other verses that have spoken to me. And, you know, every time you read a book of the Bible, that's your favorite book at the moment. I understand that. But Psalm 62, verse 7, and I lay it out here this morning because I want to encourage you as well with this verse. And this is in the New Living or Common English Version. And it says this. My salvation, 
and my honor come from God alone. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And our honor comes from him alone. Where we stand with him, how we respond to him, how we walk with him, who we are in his sight is what counts. And you can square yourself away with that and face life and, and not be cocky about it, not be pushy about it. But if I'm okay with him, then I'm okay. You learn that lesson in life. We talked about the three children we were blessed with. Each of our children are unique, their own person, their own personality. Eldest son lives in battleground. He and Carol, three children, all raised. But Brad and Carol will pick up a young man almost off the street sometimes and bring him into their home and minister to him. And Brad's a strict guy. You know, there, there are rules. And you obey those rules. But if you're walking the rules, you're, you're like a son in that home. Pam and Todd, my daughter, live in Woodland, Washington. They, again, had three sons that they have raised, but they, Todd and Pam pastored Grace Community Church in Woodland. Once in a while, they let the old guy come up and speak. And there's another young man. When this young man was still in the womb at seven months, his mother, Gloria, was in a car accident. Some guy ran a light, smacked in, ruined a good 62 Ford. <laughs> but on the, on the serious side, put my wife in the hospital with a big bruise across her head. Big bruise, a steering wheel bruise right here. And from 4 o'clock in the afternoon until 10 o'clock at night, <laughs> this is emotional for me. She felt no movement. That baby wasn't moving. We knew he was a boy, but he wasn't moving. And she said something to the Lord like this. If this child lives, he's yours. Yes, he is, folks. Dr. Davenport sits on your front row. He belongs to the Lord. Now, <clears throat> a couple of months later, he was born. Just a struggling small child. <laughs> Tell him. Ten pounds, half ounce. <laughs> Jesus loves families. Yes, he does. 1990, Reverend Bo Moline, Glad Tidings Church here in the community, hired me full-time as his executive pastor. Oh, I had been in the community for a while. I'd been in Glad Tidings. Uh, Bill Ritchie, when he started Crossroads years ago, I had the privilege of working with Bill a little bit there. I've been around. But I, I fully stepped away from any, quote, quote, 
and I don't even like the term secular activity. Let me just, I'm, let me remind you of what you know. All of us are ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ if we know him. You know that. All of us, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, have an effective ministry if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just that they're unique because we are who we are and God makes unique people. <laughs> Some of us are more unique than others, but that's beside the point. So there I was, worked there. I had the privilege of working in the community, obviously, ever since. I say this, it almost sounds braggadocious, and I don't mean it that way because it's been a blessing from God. Jesus loves families, and there have been young men outside my family who call me father or dad because I have had opportunity to be part of their lives. In fact, there's a very good friend of Brian's, Dr. Davs, who says, ah, he loves me more than he loves you. <laughs> it's just Jesus loves families. 19, or about 1999, uh, actually in 2001, had opportunity to go to Hazel, Hazeldale Assembly of God. Unless in Sally, I would not be telling stories or speaking. Hazeldale had put themselves under the umbrella of, of the network missions at that time. And so I had opportunity to go and help a church. The church became sovereign again in 2006. And, from two, and after that time, there was a young man pastoring across town who he and I used to go to the world-famous Donut Nook. And we thought and we thought and we, the idea came that we should merge two churches together. In 2008, that church became Heritage Church. And here we are. Here we are. All of us have dreams and visions as to where God will take Heritage. And I share those dreams and visions with you. Okay, I'll say it. I think in the fall, in September, don't ask me why I think this. Maybe it's too small for you. I don't know. But I think our, our weekend attendance will be somewhere around 750 in the building. I just, I just, that's what I think. I think there are other churches that will be planted. I think God will give us land. Not because we're such hot shots, but because I think because of the leadership of this church, we have one focus and focus. That is to reach the community for Christ and to speak of the Lord Jesus. That's that's it. 
Our children were married in 1988, 1991, and 1994. Let me close with this. It's some advice from an older man, older than me. I had a friend once tell me, Jim, you're older than dirt. Well, I can't help that. <laughs> it happens. I want to borrow this from an older man who passed away at 110 years old. Now, humorously, if you believe my kids, mom and I are supposed to be around 120. Now, I don't know how they figure that, but there you go. He reminded the people of their covenant with God. And we did that this morning at the start of the service. We reminded ourselves in remembrance of me, the covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, who established on the cross by his death, burial, and resurrection, a covenant. I'm set free. My debts are paid. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We've done that here today. We've remembered the covenant. He reminded them of the covenant, and then he said to them this, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. That's where we want to live. And then he said this in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, the end of that verse. You've seen this in, 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 in stores. You've seen this on people's walls, but it is something Jesus, not, this is not what he said, Jesus loves families, but that's the same thing. He said this, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me, in my household, we will serve the Lord. We will serve him through disappointments, through joy, through wrecked cars and new cars, through empty bank accounts and full bank accounts, through cancer, heart surgery, smashed hands, raised hands, criticism, praise, poor choices and great choices. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we commit this time to you in the name of the risen Christ. Yeah. Amen. Pastor. That's right. That's right. Very good. Very good. Let's stand together. Aaron will lead us in this chorus. But if you'd like, again, if you would like prayer, maybe maybe for you, you would like Pastor Jim and Glory just to pray with you over your family. Maybe that makes for a long line. That's okay. I don't need any feedback from this, but he did stop on time. We have plenty of time to pray. If, you want to, if you'd like to go to the cafe and enjoy some fellowship and some food, please go do that. But as we sing, if you may either be dismissed or come and find a place and just wait for prayer, and we will find you and pray with you. May the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. God bless you.